So Ivan was 18 and a private in the USSR. Um, so this was back in the 70s. And he was on his way to his commanding officer's office. Um, and he knew what it was about. <coughs> it was because he kept on sharing his faith. And, um, and so as he was walking, it was a sunny day. And he says that he saw this like a star shooting down from the sky. And it stopped about 200 yards above the ground. And it was an angel. And it said, uh, the angel said, Ivan, go. I'm with you. And so he gets to his commanding officer's office and knocks on the door. And he gets called in. And the, it becomes evident that what his commanding officer wants to do is re-educate him to the state-sanctioned, like state atheism. And he refused. And so his commanding officer says, um, you know, you will change your mind after some punishment, after some discipline. And so uh, he tells him he has to stand out in, in the middle of the night, all night. And um, as he's about to leave, the, his commanding officer calls his name and he turns around and he says, in your summer uniform. You see, it was the middle of the winter in Russia or the USSR. And, and so he goes out and he, um, after, after everyone goes, to sleep, he goes and stands at attention outside of his barracks, and it gets to be negative 13 degrees below zero. And he is taking that time and praying for all of his commanding officers and praying for all of, the, all of his fellow believers that he knows. And surprisingly, he doesn't get cold. I mean, he was cold, but not that cold. He could still wiggle his toes and have feeling in his hands. And some officers come out uh, around midnight to check on him, and they're all bundled up, and they are freezing. And they're like, if you just renounce your faith, you can go inside. And he refuses. And this happens for 12 straight nights. And sensing his death is near, he writes this letter to his parents. He says, my dear parents, the Lord has showed the way to me, and I have decided to follow it. I will not now have more severe and bigger battles than I have had till now, but I do not fear him. He goes before me. Do not grieve for me, my dear parents. It is because I love Jesus more than myself. I listen to him, though my body does fear somewhat or does not wish to go through everything. I do this because I do not value my life as much as I value him. And I will not await my own will, but I will follow as the Lord leads. He says go, and I go. Do not become grieved if this is your son's last letter. 
because I myself, when I see and hear visions, hear how angels speak and see, I am even amazed and cannot believe that Ivan, your son, talks with angels. He, Ivan, has also had sins and failings, but through sufferings, the Lord has wiped them away. And he does not live as he wishes himself, but as the Lord wishes. People who, his fellow soldiers who saw his faith and resolve became Christians as a result. And a few days later, Ivan's body was returned to his family. He had been beaten, stabbed six times around the heart, and then drowned. His commander said, Ivan died with difficulty. He fought with death, but he died as a Christian. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Mark 6 tonight as we continue our study and looking at Mark. And uh, we've been looking... Mark has been kind of exploring this theme of faith, and so we're going to continue this theme as we go on um, today. And so uh, Mark 6, starting in verse 1, it says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters lived right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. See, we can take this passage as a warning to people who grew up in the church. <clears throat> to people who grew up in the church, it is easy to become desensitized to the stories of the Bible. We have heard them our whole life. It is easy to just gloss over these familiar stories in our Bible. So often, people who grew up in the church, and I am one of them, and I've had to, I've struggled with this myself, but so often, people who grew up in the church, right, they struggle with faith. They struggle with having an authentic faith because they become like the hometown people in this story. Jesus has become so familiar to them that they are no longer amazed by his great works. 
And this is a warning to those that have grown up in the church. Don't become desensitized to who Jesus is, really is. He is the Messiah. You must have great faith. A lot of times some people who grew up in the church, they wonder why God isn't doing all this miraculous stuff in their lives. They see God working in other people's lives. They see and hear stories of God doing amazing things in different countries and so forth. And they wonder why God isn't doing miraculous things in their own life. It's because we lack faith. Up until this point in Mark, Mark, John Mark has demonstrated that people with great faith, great things and miraculous things happen to them. That's what we looked at a couple weeks ago. And so often we wonder why God isn't doing miraculous things in our lives. Well, maybe it's because we lack faith. We don't have a true, authentic faith. We're like the hometown people in this passage. Continuing on. Then Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people, and he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick. No food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met, to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. So imagine for a second that uh, Hendon Hooker comes, decides to come back for another year. Hendon Hooker is the, I see some people confused, he is the, the UT quarterback, right? And so he decides to come back for another year and we get a top five recruiting class this year, and we get some transfers in for, through the transfer portal. And next season, we defy all odds and all expectations, and we go 15 and 0 and win the national championship. Right? How awesome would that be? Right? It would be epic. And you guys would be so excited. You could say that, hey, I was a student when UT won the national championship during the 2022 football season. No matter how great that would be and how much fun that would be to watch that season, do you think your experience would be the same as Hendon Hooker's? <laughs> or Byron Young, the people that were actually on the field playing? 
No, right? You can say, hey, I was a student when the UT football team won the national championship. But, yeah, but then they can say, hey, I was a player. I actually won the national championship. And so often, as Christians, we are content being spectators in the stands. When God, he wants us to be players on the field. We are content being spectators in the stands, watching and seeing all the good stuff that is happening, but not being a participant. And God, he wants you on the field. As a follower of Christ, he wants you on the field, in the place, doing the work. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It reads, should I have it bookmarked? <laughs> Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. These are Jesus' own words, and he doesn't say, hey, I, uh, you know, if you feel like it, go ahead and share about me to others. He doesn't say, hey, um, if you are in full-time ministry, go ahead and share about me to others. No, he commands all of us to go and make disciples. He doesn't care if you're an introvert. He doesn't care if you're an extrovert. He doesn't care if, if, you, uh, if it comes naturally to you. This is a command by Jesus from his own lips. And yet too often, we are content with just being a spectator, sitting in the stands. A lot of people think it's okay to just be a generally good person and go to church on Sunday and maybe here on Wednesday and that be it. Those things are good, but God wants more. It is not okay to be a spectator. People with true faith are players in the game. They are participants in furthering God and his mission. So what are you? Are you a spectator? Or are you a player? on the field. We must become bold in our faith. People who are, have true faith, they are bold in their faith, regardless 
of what the consequences are. Continuing on. And this is a long section, so bear with me. Right? Herod, the king, soon heard about Jesus because everyone was talking about him. Some were saying, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. This is why he can do such miracles. Others said, he's the prophet Elijah. Still others said, he's a prophet like the other great prophets of the past. When Herod heard about Jesus, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has come back from the dead. For Herod, so let's pause there for a second. And so this is kind of a Jean-Marc, he, he has this in here as kind of like a flashback, right? So this, these events already happened, and some theologians believe that Jean-Marc put this in this spot because this happened, these events happened while Jesus sent out the disciples in pairs, right? And so this is a flashback. It's already happened, right? Uh, when Herod... Uh, for Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. She had been his brother, Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. First off, did you guys catch that? How messed up that is? All right. Uh, John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless. For Herod respected John, and knowing that he was a good and holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. Herodias' chance finally came on Herod's birthday. He gave a party for his high government officials, army officials, and the leading citizens of Galilee. Then his daughter, also named Herodias, came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guests. Ask me for anything you like, the king said to the girl, and I will give it to you. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask up to half my kingdom. She went out and asked her mother, what should I ask for? Her mother told her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. So the girl hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. Then the king deeply regretted what he had said, but because of the vows he had made in front of his guests, he couldn't refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. The soldiers beheaded John in the prison brought his head on a tray, and gave it to the girl, who took it to her mother. When John's disciples heard what had happened, they came to get his body, buried it in a tomb. See, John the Baptist, if you remember, at the beginning of this gospel, is the one that prepared the way for Jesus and baptized Jesus in the wilderness, in the Jordan River. And here we hear the story of his death because he was bold in his faith and was bold in what he was, what he felt called to do by calling out Herod for marrying his brother's wife. 
and he died as a result. See, people with bold faith are just people of faith. Everyone who has faith needs to have a bold faith. He needs to be okay with whatever persecution or trials or anything that comes their way. A lot of people think that being a Christian right, means that all your troubles are going to go away. And in a sense, that's kind of true because you get in, invited and in, in, into a family, right, that helps shoulder your burdens. That's some, kind of what Josh talked about last week. But if anything, Jesus says that when you become a Christian, persecution is going to come your way. John, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 15, I think it's verse 20, he says that because they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Jesus doesn't promise an easy, cushion life. If anything, he promises that you will be persecuted for your faith. And yet so often as Christians, we refuse to live a bold faith to the point where persecution doesn't come our way. We think it's okay to be a Christian for an hour on Sunday and live a generally good life. But that's not what Jesus calls for you and for me. If you look back above that door, uh, my beautiful wife, she painted that for us. And it says, I will give my all for Christ today. And I love that, right? I love that because it is a reminder that as we leave this place, our Christianity doesn't stop. If anything, this time together should be a time of respite and encouragement and training so that we can go out from this place and be a light on UT's campus, be a light in the dorms and your classroom and with your peers. See, the cost is too great for us to just be ho-hum Christians. You have family members. You have classmates, you have friends, you have peers, you have professors, you have people that you interact with every single day that need to hear the good news of Jesus. People die every day without knowing Christ. See, Christianity isn't a spectator sport. We all need to be participants. Jesus commands us all to go out and make disciples.
if he didn't want us to. Matthew 28 could have said, hey, go and sit in a church building for an hour or a student center for an hour. That's not what he said. He said, go and make disciples. And when you are bold in your faith, you have to be willing to be labeled a Jesus freak, right? You have to be willing to be made fun of. You have to be willing to be uh, labeled a fanatic. You have to be willing to be persecuted for your faith. Because that's what happens to people who are bold in their faith. They are persecuted. The world doesn't understand. So they're going to persecute you. And you have to be okay with that. I think sometimes we are bold in our faith because we are afraid of what others are going to think. Well, instead of caring about what others think, we should really care about what God thinks of us. Ada was 19 when she was arrested in St. Petersburg. And she was arrested in St. Petersburg for handing out poems on the street that she had written that talked about her love for Jesus Christ. And she was arrested at the age of 19 for handing out these poems about Jesus and was imprisoned for a year. And as soon as she gets out of prison, she goes back on, out on the street, starts sharing about Jesus again, handing out more poems. This time, she gets in prison for four years. This happens two more times. She gets four jail sentences, imprisonments. <clears throat> for sharing about her love of Jesus. And while in prison, she would get, people would smuggle her copies of the Bible and she would share it with fellow prisoners. And during her fourth imprisonment, she was finally released because the USSR finally got dissolved. Watchman Nee, he is considered the C.S. Lewis, the Asian C.S. Lewis. I don't know if you guys are aware of who C.S. Lewis is. He is one of my favorite Christian authors. I have multiple of his books I've read over the years. And he, um, in 1949, China changed to a state atheistic government, right? Atheism became their state religion. 
And as a result, Christians started facing more and more persecution. And he is considered one of the founders of the church in China and was imprisoned in 1951, I believe, because people came up with false charges against him. And he stayed in prison till his death. And while in prison, he was only allowed to be visited by his wife. And he wrote many books while in prison. And he too shared the gospel with anyone who would listen. And many fellow prisoners became Christians as a result. It's not okay to live a ho-hum Christian life. I would rather well, God wants you to be bold your faith. God wants you to be bold regardless of what is going to happen. So if you're here tonight and you realize that you've just been kind of coasting as a Christian, you've been coasting as a Christian and you still think it's okay to just arrive at church on Sunday for an hour and be a generally good person. I'm gonna for you to become bold in your faith. God wants more from you. God wants you to be an active player and not just a spectator of Christianity. And so if you realize, and you're here tonight, you realize that you've just been a spectator and you want to become a player for God and his mission, love to share how to make that happen with you tonight. Please come find me. I just realized I didn't have a <laughs>